Hey, everybody. Welcome to a late episode of Creative Ops, a podcast for late creative people by late creative people. Okay, I was supposed to have one out yesterday, right? But I didn't have one ready. Um, yeah, call it laziness, call it being unprepared, call it having people that were supposed to be on not show up. TJ. No, I'm just kidding. TJ's coming on next week. Well, I'm, I'm kind of kidding. We'll get into it. Anyway, today on the show, I called up my buddy Josh Marcella and said, hey man, I need a podcast guest. And he said, hey, I'm starting a podcast that comes out tomorrow. So let's talk about that. And that's exactly what we did. So if you've heard Joshua Marcella on this podcast before, then you know he is the author of several books, uh, two books, Scratches and Severed, and then a collection of short stories called Hunger for Death. You should go and check those out. I have actually in my hand right now a copy of Severed and Scratches, and uh, they're intense, man. Intense, intense books. So if that's your kind of thing, you should check those out. And if you've listened to the show before, too, you've already heard him talk not only about his books and his writing process and all that, but about self-publishing. He's a little bit of a guru when it comes to that. He's, he's done pretty well. So go back, check out Joshua Marcella talking about his books, then go back and check out Joshua Marcella talking about self-publishing, and then listen to this one. Or listen to this one, since you're already here, fine. And then go back and listen to those. I don't really care how you do it, okay? I'm not your mom. <sighs> We're going to talk to Josh Marcella about his podcast that's coming out called Writers on Wax. And uh, whatever else we get into. So, I'll see you on the other side of this one. Thank you for tuning in. Listen to the whole thing. Rate and review the podcast wherever you get it. If you review the podcast on Apple, I will write a song for you and play it on a podcast. I already owe one to my friend John who rated and reviewed the podcast. So get up there with my boy John and rate this podcast. Get a song sang to yourself. No, that even makes sense the way I said that. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start the podcast. Too much coffee today. Here is my interview for the third time with my buddy, Mainer, and just overall talent, Joshua Marcella host of the new podcast, Writers on Wax, which you can check out as early as February 2nd. All right, folks, here we go. tranchel on and he was like oh man i'm too busy so now he's saying he'll do it next week so he was supposed to be my first guest of the year and now he's going to be like my fourth or fifth <laughs> oh. fucking horror That's authors just... man yeah so busy yeah <laughs> i'm i'm i've never been as busy as i am now and i kind of appreciate it it makes me feel needed you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so all my flies down Hold on. Hopefully the camera didn't catch that. Uh. Oh, oh, oh. The show is X-rated now. Yeah. <laughs> I figure the the logical place to start would be uh, talking about your podcast, because we didn't talk about it at all last time, because you didn't have one last time, right? No, I kind of just randomly came up with it one day, and now, you know, I'm eight guests in, and... <laughs> 
about to go live tomorrow. So that's actually good timing. Oh, really? What are you doing on yeah. Facebook? No, um, the the first six episodes are going live tomorrow. Um, oh, I thought you meant like you were doing a live interview tomorrow. No, they're all recorded, uploaded, and uh, yeah, they're all scheduled to go, the first six. And then I have Alex Woodrow and Brendan LaFaro are all, I just have to edit those ones. And those will be going uh, next Wednesday will be Alex. And then the 16th will be Brennan. And, and then I have guests. I think I have three guests next week. Um, and then three or four more. I'm still trying to get in touch with Martin Sharp about this month. Cause he was going to come on this month as well. Um, he was in the movie uh, Lake Mungo. He does screenwriting and stuff like that. So hmm. um yeah, so we'll see how everything goes. But yeah, I, I didn't have this. Just so brand new. So, well, yeah, let's start with that. When did you? What were you doing? What were you listening to? Or what experiences you had where you're like, you know what? I should be a podcast host. Podcasting is something I've kind of been interested in for a while since I started doing them with as a guest uh, when I started writing. Um, it, it's fun. I like chatting with people. You know about you know things where you know, writing and, and all these different things. And then uh, I was in the my truck like a couple of weeks ago. I think it was like the third week of uh, January or second. Yeah. Second week of January and waiting in the drive, the parking lot to bring my son to his daycare, his preschool. And I don't know, it just came to me. I'm like, I, I love music. I always listen to music when I write. I'm inspired by music. There's ton of music in literature and vice versa so i just kind of put it out there and, and on twitter and said you know i've been toying with this idea of starting a podcast um where i interview writers about how music influences their writing and kind of like their music journey throughout their life and so i kind of put it out there and so many people were like that'd be amazing and i'd love to listen to that and then i kind of said well if you're interested and you'd like to be a guest on the show shoot me a message or send me a DM or something. Um, and I'll start building up a guest list. And within the first 24 hours, I had at least 80 people that had hit me up or in including a few that I had um, messaged and asked them if, if they would be interested in coming on. Cause I knew they were big music lovers. You know, they include music in a lot of their work. So that was kind of where the idea came from. And it's just taken off from there. I kind of just had to learn the whole process, I had to figure out how to get a podcast online, um, whether I was going to do just audio or video as well, because I prefer video, like the visual. Mm -hmm. I prefer seeing the people chatting with each other, but I also... Yeah, just hit that microphone if you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm very, very new at this now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of my my thought process is how do I do all these things and make all these things available without spending a million dollars to get going. Cause this right. is just a hobby, something I want to try out. It may not even work out. And I started doing research. You, I started, you know, talking to you a lot and a couple other people that have podcasts that reached out on their own and gave me some advice and tips yeah, it's on a, it's a cool group of people. As far as just like, yeah. Podcasters as a blanket statement for the most part are pretty like, Oh yeah, you should have one of these too. Here, here's how I do it. Versus, you know, yeah. some, I don't know, arts or industries or whatever, where people are very secretive and they don't want to give right. away any of their secret sauce. Well, yeah. And, and what's nice is a lot of the people 
like yourself and then a, a few other people um, have either invited me onto their own shows or they're interested in coming on my show. And so it was kind of this mutual, you know, this mutual relationship where, you know, they're going to help me out. I'm going to help them out. And we're all going to benefit because everyone's going to be able to listen to all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're all very different. Um, they're all very different conversations. You know what I mean? Like mine is, is more centered on music and the writing process. Whereas your podcast is very uh, creative centric you you chat with a lot of different creatives not just writers and then um, much to my detriment sometimes <laughs> you know some of the other people just do like horror specific things and so you know it's not like we're necessarily competing with each other and it's cool to have these more and more conversations going on because i think you know as we get into year two of this isolation and and whatever from the coronavirus a lot of people are missing that socialization and especially people with kids like you and I, we don't get to go out. Uh, a lot of our friends have moved away. We don't, you know, we don't get much time to chat with like-minded people. And yeah. more so than not, my podcast is just having a conversation with someone. I mean, maybe I'll drop in three or four questions the whole time and the rest we're just chatting about um, music and bands and, certain things we love and then sometimes it gets philosophical sometimes we talk about the actual um you know the logistics of music and how it's made and, and you just never know like um one of my guests recently is from romania and she was going and talking about um the revolution they had in 1989 and they were basically being run by this oppressive government who didn't allow outside music from other countries and things like that. So they were, you know, bootlegging music and, and sneaking it in. And then there was bands that were just creating music that was approved by the regime, but it was rebellious and it was uh, like, they were hiding messages in there that using folklore and stuff that pe that the government never caught on in, onto and they were risking their lives. So, you know, it's just so many different conversations that, come up and every single person um, has a different experience. They have different um, music recommendations. And, and one other thing I like to do is at the end of the show, I ask each um, writer that comes on to recommend it started off as one uh, album that kind of puts you into their headspace, something they really love, something they like grew up on or anything that they want to recommend. And now I kind of do like, give me two albums because it's, it's hard to do especially with music lovers to pick one album that yeah, yeah. they feel like represents them, you know? And yeah. Uh, Cause with two, at least you can be like, what's one that you always come back to and what's one that you're like super into right now. Yeah. Cause that's what happens a lot. You know, like we have those albums that we've, we know every note by heart that we've been listening yeah. to since we were 10 years old, but then there's maybe a new album that came out two years ago that blows your mind and that you listen to on the regular, you know what I mean? And yeah. And that artist is like right now, in this yeah. time and space your favorite artist i've gone yep. through phases where i was listening to real heavy stuff i've gone through phases where i was like just super into jack johnson you know what i mean mm -hmm. like or uh even reggae or even some uh, electronic music so it bounces all around and well i was just telling you too i've got concerts now for a metal uh or concert tickets for a, a heavy metal concert this weekend so yeah i definitely jump all over the place if you told mm -hmm. me to pick one album i'd be like <laughs> uh can you give me like at least one genre to choose from <laughs> yeah and it's it's tough i i try to give them a heads up before we get on the podcast and say hey if you can come 
try to be prepared and, and pick out an album. Um, and I've caught some of them off guard. They, they might have missed that in the initial message. So then they'll like start scrambling around, looking around their oh, room, and it's oh. like, it's like I I totally get it because I don't I mean I'm a huge music lover and I it's it's damn near impossible for me to pick just one album that I want to recommend because you you say it and then you're like oh wait no no there's another one I want to I want to recommend you know what I mean and yeah you can keep going down the chain <laughs> oh yeah for sure oh man like right now I'm trying to think if I had to pick one album. ACDC's got some good ones. Maybe the Metallica's Black album. Gee, yeah. I, don't know. I would have to think about that too. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to make a note of it. It's tough. It really makes the them think today, and I'm puts gonna, them on I'm the spot sometimes. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the idea. I, I really wanted to bring people together with a, you know, uh, a love of music, a love of writing. And, you know, it's it's surprising sometimes when you hear like some people don't listen to music when they write. Some people have to listen to music when they write. Some people pregame their writing with listening to music and they try to get inspired that way. Um, hmm. And I've never and tried other, that. Yeah, have you ever tried that before? Where you're like, okay, no, I I generally get in the zone. Yeah, I, I have to put on music when I write. Um, and usually it's oftentimes it's ambient. Um, but then there's times like when I wrote my middle grade the Fright Vision book that was taking place in like, in my mind, it was taking place in like the nineties, late nineties. So mm -hmm. I was listening to like a YouTube channel where they just play hits, pop hits of the nineties. So, I mean, it was Lots just of Will like, Smith and Backstreet Boys. Exactly. <laughs> Gloria Estefan. And I mean, you name it, everything from that time period. So that was kind of fun actually. And, uh, but generally I like, you know, moody and, and uh, you know, like right now I'm, I'm writing a Western. So I listen to like, the spaghetti western music or like uh jeremiah johnson soundtrack or uh some of the older country you know what i mean that involves storytelling and but everyone's experience is different and that was kind of the idea behind this and it was really it was awesome when i first mentioned it because so many people were like oh yeah man that th those things go hand in hand with each other i'd love to even people that aren't even published yet were hitting me up and saying hey i'm still working on my first book but i'd love to come on because you know, I love this music or um, today, actually, uh, Bev Vincent and Brian Keene messaged me um, on the, the podcast page and was like, hey, we wrote this book called Dissonant Harmonies. It's two novellas that we wrote and we were we both created playlists for each other or something. And hmm. and, uh, we, you know, if if you'd be interested and then Brian was like, yeah, we'd, we'd be happy to come on and chat about it. And I'm like, you just never know, like when somebody is going to, you know come at you with an idea and it's really exciting because then you got to like you got to start making these like scheduling people on and uh you can tell in their their when they respond and they're like yeah hell yeah i'm ready anytime um how enthusiastic they are and and uh you know my job's really easy because a lot of times i can just sit back and listen and mm -hmm. they can they can talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about with the music and stuff and you know then i'll fill in with an answer or you know follow up you know with just to keep the conversation going but it's been really great and it's been an awesome experience for me just to be able to um have these conversations with the, with these people that enjoy a lot of the same things i do you know what i mean are a lot of the writers that you've talked to and have solid plans to talk to horror writers or not necessarily um well 
you know, because I'm so heavily involved in the horror community, I think initially you're going to see a lot of horror writers, but I have made it a point to put out there. I want romance. I want science fiction. I want fantasy. I want historical fiction, nonfiction. I'd like people from all walks of life all over the world. Um, and now I'm starting to see, you know, more like erotica and all these different genres, people hitting me up and saying, Hey, I'm a su such and such writer. I'd love to come on. Um, and, and that's really, I don't want it. And I just said this like yesterday, I, I don't want it to be, it's not horror inclusive. Like it's, it's a, it's just writers, you know, it's not horror writers on wax and that's yeah. the biggest thing. But I think initially you're going to see a lot, so many horror writers just because that's where, that's the community I'm in, I'm heavily involved in and comfortable yeah. in. But um, yeah, I'd love to have people from all genres all over the place. Dude, come on. It would be great to have you talk to uh, somebody who writes romance. Cause my, my wife has uh, I'm trying to think what the writer is that she reads. Oh, Nora Roberts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She reads uh, <clears throat> a lot of Nora Roberts. And one time she was just giggling. I was like, what's so funny. And she, she's like, this woman has so many euphemisms for a boner. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> she just holds up the page and she goes, and she pulled down his pants and he was ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's so cool. It's like, you know, these people, they have such good senses, sense of humors. They, you know, they love writing and they love music and they're all into different types of music. And you, you think, you know, what somebody's probably into. And then you talk to them and they're like, no, I, I like Hanson actually. And I'm like, a diehard Hanson fan and they write extreme horror. You know what I mean? Like I haven't thought about Hanson in a minute. You know, they like Celine Dion and they're writing about dismembering, you know, human beings and stuff. And yeah. You know, it's so. funny. You mentioned Celine Dion. I had a, a rapper from California on my podcast. His name is Dejan. Go check him out. D A J O N. Um, mm -hmm. And I was asking him about, you know, how he became a musician and how he learned to like control his voice. And he's, the first thing he said was, oh, I used to go on these long road trips with my mom where we'd be on the road for hours and she would just blast Celine Dion's greatest hits. And I got to where I knew the words to every single song. And he was like, so honestly, probably listening to like Celine Dion and Britney Spears informed like my vocal style as much or more than <laughs> listening to other yeah. hip hop artists. Yeah. Which blew my mind. I was know. like, it's... what? Yeah. So you're it's... sitting here telling me that you rip it hardcore and your biggest influence is Celine Dion. <laughs> yep. And that's what's so cool. It's like I've been watching a lot of these um their vice specials where they actually it's like a 25 minute episode and they kind of they interview and do breakdowns of certain hit songs. Um like the other day I watched the Thong Song one with Cisco. Oh, yeah. And uh it was really that awesome was to hear everywhere. Yeah, and, and when you hear the story school, that song was everywhere. Yeah, when you hear the story of how it came to be and, uh, you know, how it was actually started with a Eleanor Rigby sample and then they had to create their own um, symphony lines because they couldn't get the rights. So this white dude, this violinist came in and created the whole... He's like, is that what you want? And then they're like, yeah, this is a song about a thong. And like, it's just hilarious. You gotta, and, But it's really cool because like, it's obviously such a great song. And then... Um, I watched like Shaggy, It Wasn't Me. And then today I watched uh, Vanessa Carlton, the um, Thousand Miles song. And Terry Crews is on there saying like how it changed his life. And so it's because of that, the movie White Chicks, you know, and it's just so, yeah. so cool. And to hear these stories, um, 
and you know, back to with the writers and stuff, you you could hear a lot of people talk about how they were inspired by this song and then it gave them the idea for this book or this you know story. Well, you see and, that you see that all the time. Like uh yeah. Well, actually I got your books right here too. You do that with your books where I don't know if it was song lyrics. I think it, with the other ones it Yeah, it's just yeah, titled like, because well, uh Jim Morrison. You you yeah. cut yeah, yeah. And and you kind of like the the reason I didn't use act like I wasn't using originally actual lyrics, but then um, my, one of my beta reader buddies was like, "You just got to be careful because if you don't have the rights, you know this company can obviously come and sue you." Yeah. And uh, like I was going to put the lyrics to "Bad Moon Rising" in there, and then the Rolling Stones. So then I just, you know, hinted at they it can, by saying, "They can sue you just for using a line of a song in a book." You have to have the rights, and that's why when you whenever Stephen King uses a song lyric and i mean you can do it any stephen king book that has like whatever i'm trying to think (laughs) one of the books that has a cool song lyric at the beginning Mm -hmm. he has to pay song royalties every time so epigraphs are different if you just quote it at the beginning of the book like i did with jim morrison or Mm -hmm. any of the other ones that's okay because you're quoting it for that person specifically if in your story you're saying he was cruising down the road and, you know, uh, Dr. Dre was singing, you know, uh, whatever, one of his, one of his fucking songs. And like, it's like uh, that and like this and yeah, like that. And you're and like, like quoting and you're actually writing the lyrics in that, in there as part of your story. Then you have to actually, um, okay. you know what I mean? So epigrams, yeah, yeah, yeah. epigraphs and song lyrics in the body of the thing are completely different. And, but so when Stephen King does use them in his books, uh, you'll see at the beginning of the book he'll he'll give the rights to them and say this this is courtesy of uh, whatever you know what I mean Death Row Records <laughs> Stephen King <laughs> courtesy of Dr. Dre and Suge Knight. <laughs> but, Actually, I would be interested know. to see what would happen if Stephen King just listened to like nothing but the best of Death Row Records while he was writing. <laughs> what what he might come up with? Yeah, I mean that's what, hearing that's, music some of it. Yeah. And that's what's so cool is like you never know what somebody's listening to when they're writing or what, what they were listening to when, you know, and a lot of music is ingrained in stories. Like I can't listen to the song Someone Saved My Life Tonight by Elton John without thinking of uh, Wolves of Kala, the Stephen King Dark Tower book, because there's a scene in there where um, a priest, I won't spoil it for anybody, but he's fighting vampires in the alley in New York. And that song is like playing on the radio or something. And because he saved somebody's life. And now every time I hear that song, I'm instantly pulled back into that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's similar with like Hey Jude or um, there's other. And it's similar like with movies, too. I mean, movies does the same thing. You know, they mm-hmm. the, the power of the music and the lyrics can form this connection that it's unbreakable. Like you're always going to be these two things are going to be tied together, like uh, Paint It Black and what was that movie uh stigmata or the one with kevin bacon um, oh i thought you were gonna say uh the ballad of ricky bobby <laughs> <laughs> well that that too and i mean that's what that's why i i like to use it because i there's a lot of songs like uh we got to get out of this place by the oh, animals yeah. that is in both of my books um and it's a cool way to tie the books together um like one of that songs at the end of the first book and at the very beginning of the second book or the prequel yeah. So it's kind of like a cool way for people to like, every time they hear that, they'll think of my books maybe. And uh, hopefully so, 
you know, it's kind of a, a way to use music yeah, and nostalgia. I think, it, to... I think of Cool George and all his. Yeah. Yeah, all of his all adventures. His crazy antics. Yeah. <laughs> crazy George. <laughs> oh, George. <laughs> You're so silly. So, yeah, that and that was kind of my. Uh... And then also it's a great way for me to learn about a lot of new music. Like I just discovered uh, Denzel Curry through my second guest. Uh, no, my third guest Denzel no, Curry. Guest, fourth guest yeah he's this he's this newer I say newer I think he's been around for maybe a decade but he's a rapper who is who's very reminiscent of like late 90s rap really nice. talented like I've, I've just started getting into him and I'm like okay this is actually good and uh same thing with like a lot of progressive rock bands that um my guest on Saturday mentioned and then you know there's just a lot of cool stuff that uh, I'm, and I'm actually when I listen when I talk to these people, I'm actually going and listening to the music later on because you just never know when something is gonna, you know. After a while, you get in your comfort zone and you kind of listen to the same stuff over and over again, and you think you have this like wide array of music, but then you realize, damn, I haven't like listened to a brand new album in like ten years, and so it's nice to actually like step out of your comfort zone. Um, and see if you can be inspired or, or just something to enjoy, you know, other than the same stuff. So yeah. um, that's kind of the other part of this whole thing is it's really nice to be able to see what people recommend and then actually check out the music. And so what I do with each episode is I, you know, I put links to their Twitter accounts or their Amazon accounts so people can look up their books. But then I also link the two albums. Sorry, my cat's snoring. The um, That was your cat? Yeah, she's up there. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was a kid going like dad. No, it's a cat. Um and I, I include links to the um albums that they recommend. So like if people can look it up and if nothing else, they can go to YouTube and look it up. But yeah, yeah. So they don't have to keep scrolling through the video. And um so that's another thing that I do. So for like the podcast and the YouTube channel, um, I'll have all that stuff in there so they can connect with these people. And hopefully, you know, people will sell some books, people will uh check out their work and become fans, you know, and uh, that's kind of the whole, the other point of this too, is to help promote people, um, make connections, do some networking, become friends with more people. And because sometimes social media can be a drag and, and you only get to see, like, there's no nuance. There's no, uh, it's just, <laughs> Oh, look at these words. This guy wrote. Yeah. And I can't tell if he's being a smart ass or he's trying to be funny or, you know, if he's genuine. Um, so sometimes yeah, I replied nice to, to one know. of your tweets the other day and I was right after I did it, I was like, I don't know if I should have done that, but then the you Pfizer were like, one? yeah, <laughs> yeah, you bastard. <laughs> I knew if it was, if it had been somebody else and not you, I probably would have been pissed off, but I was like, yeah, he's just being a freaking jerk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's, but... let's, let's test our friendship. See if I got blocked or not. <laughs> no. Uh, and that was for real. I did. I actually did do that. And, uh, you know, I may, I may take a hit as far as like listens and stuff, but, um, you know, he has a reason for doing it. He was a polio survivor and, uh, you know, a big Neil Young. Yeah. He, he was actually dudes like in his eighties, isn't he? Yeah. Him and, uh, Joni Mitchell both were contracted polio when they were kids before the vaccine became available. And then they were able to get the vaccine and it basically saved their lives. So he's a huge advocate for that stuff. He always like raises money and does all kinds of things for um, awareness for those types of things. So I can totally understand that. And you know what, we want to be done with this, this pandemic. And um, it's not necessarily like, I don't really think Rogan is necessarily like 
pushing misinformation, but he's allowing things to be said on his podcast that it obviously hurts people's perceptions of the safety of these things. And, you know, we all want to be done with this crap. And so I just figured I'd stand in, you know, solidarity with him and, and, you know, prove a point, even though I haven't even posted any, any channels yet or any episodes yet. It's kind of just my way of, you know, standing my ground and, uh, but anyway, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get off topic here, but yeah, that was funny. So I didn't, I didn't take it. I didn't get mad about it. That's <laughs> one of the few times I read it or I sent a tweet and then afterwards looked at my wife. I was like, I sent a tweet that I maybe shouldn't have sent. <laughs> yeah. And who knows? You might've lost a few followers. They're like, what an ass. Like who, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm not too worried about like, it. I remember no. the first time I interviewed a black person on my show and then I put a picture of me and them up on my Instagram and like within a half hour, like six people stopped following me. I was like, Jeez. oh, cool. Didn't need it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I say. Filter all the, the screen through the turds. Get yeah. them out of your friggin' out of your life. I don't need yeah. that crap. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to promote when, it, well, especially when it comes to anything science that I don't know about. I'm not trying to promote one way or the other, but I just want right. to have, I just want to have interesting people come on and talk about themselves and what they do and, try to inspire yeah. other people to do something too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I like, um, I like what you're doing with your podcast and the fact that you're not, it's not sticking to one thing. You're, you're interviewing like any creative you can get your hands on because it is, it's the, the creative process is all about being original, taking risks, trying new things, using your imagination. And that's something I really think lacks in in like it, it's something that has lacked for a long time when it's when it, it's to do with like capitalism and like our parents like not not all of them but like they were just strictly let's go get a job let's work let's pay the bills come home and i'm gonna watch seinfeld till and get drunk until i go to bed like yeah. it's nice to see these you know younger generations and even older people that are starting late it to uh, to start trying new creative endeavors and realizing like you only have one life. You know, we all have our little talents if, and you're not going to find those talents unless you try something. And, and, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's a way to keep, you know, keep us busy, keep our minds active. And uh, so I really like it. I like the, you know, the fact that you're able to do that. And it was kind of what pushed me to say, you know, maybe I can do that, but with, you know, a little more, uh, because music is really one of my true passions and uh and I know it yeah, is you, for you as you well. did your own you did your own song too man I was I was yeah. actually well I was impressed how how good your song was but I was like triple impressed when you're like I did it on my phone <laughs> yeah well I was just sitting there for like hours on GarageBand and kind of was like oh I'm messing around with different instruments and then I'd save a little part and then loop it and or whatever and then do another part and Kind of came out great, and I really, I really like it. And then the video, I was trying to go for like a "Are You Afraid of the Dark" vibe, yeah. And it like are like you know goosebumps, even though it's not horror centric, but that's just kind of my like how I like it, you know. And then uh, yeah, you're just like, a creepy this... guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a good my way, not a so. <laughs> not a creeper. <laughs> that's my wife. My wife says anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks, man. I was uh, you know, I I was actually involved in a, a few bands back in the day, and. I didn't actually start playing any instruments until I was in the army. When I was in um, Iraq, I had a, one of those cheap uh, Esteban guitars mailed yeah. over to me over there. And uh, I started learning, you know, like 
Wish You Were Here and some Bob Dylan songs, like the three or four chorded songs. And then yeah. uh, when I came home, it kind of just exploded. I I bought like instruments and and like pianos and drums and and set up like a studio in my basement and then had friends that all played music, went to Berkeley and we all started learning. I started learning more and more and Berkeley. I don't know why I said it like that, <laughs> but uh, it was awesome. And, and that's kind of why, you know, I, I really do love music and, and, and uh, wanted to do something with music. And, and it seems like it was a big hit. Like everyone that so far that has, you know, wanted to come on the show, they're really passionate about it and excited. So, and then people that want to listen to it as well, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll pull in some numbers and, you know, and as I get further along, I'll learn more, I'll get better at the uh, interview process and the editing and the, well, maybe you're, doing you're already got and... a, a better start than I did just because <clears throat> I remember talking to the, some people in the podcast community and I was telling them my idea for my show and they're like, that's not going to work. It's like, what do you mean? Like pick a type of creative person, pick writers or artists, just saying creative people, nobody's going to listen to that. And it did take a lot longer to probably build up an audience to where I could get, you know, a couple hundred downloads in a month. Cause like I was telling you the first couple months I was getting like 30, 40 downloads for the entire month. But, yeah. uh, I didn't have a bunch of cool books out when I started mine either. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it's nice is having like somewhat of a like social media following and just, you know, I try to be, I try to be honest and true to myself, but I also do try to be majority of the time, a positive person. So people aren't always like, I used to be real political on social media and always complaining about this and that. And, you know, from time to time I'll say stuff, but for the most oh, what, part, people don't want to like, hear your political opinions on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, unless it's, they agree with it and then it's cool, but you know, yeah. and, and I just got like exhausted from it, from the whole, the last, you know, administration and all that. And so now I just try to like make people laugh and share other people's work and, um, you know, I'm gaining followers all the time and it's, it's a good start for me to jump off from, um, to start this podcast and get, you know, and I'm trying to do a nice, a nice, uh, mix of newer authors and authors that have a, you know, a good, like they they have a name for themselves and, mm -hmm. um, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, if, you know, it'd be really cool to get some big names on there. I'm really excited about, um, some of the people I have coming on They're writers I admire um like ronald melfi's gonna come on he's not only an amazing author but he's in an actual band called veer um with his, i think his brother um is in the band he's ronald actually sings in the band and uh so it's just making connections with people getting to know people um and you know that's what this industry is all about like you can't be a writer and, you know, this isn't the days of J.D. Salinger where you can write books and, and hide away in the woods and then yeah. be like this <laughs> well-known author. Like, you have to get out there, promote yourself. People want to know who you are. And uh, this is just another way of me to, you know, get out there and let people see the real me um, as opposed to, you know, me and my Wordle score um, <laughs> or my Sudoku score. <laughs> so... Uh, I you've already had a pretty big response just in terms of people who are like, yeah, I want to be on, but yeah. are you going to try to read like every book? Well, not every book that every person that comes on ever wrote, but are you going to try to read every, you know, something from every person before they come on? Or are you just going to be like, Hey man, I don't know about your work, but tell us about it. 
or a little yeah, bit? Um, for the most part, like I, I try to, I try to not make it about me. I try to make it about like, so you're the author of such and such. Like, I don't feel like it's relevant for me to be like, I've read all your books. I just, you know what I mean? I've reviewed them. I just want to be like, so you've written these books because that's, it's far too much pressure on, on myself to be, to do that, especially when you have seven, eight, six guests a month um, coming on. You yeah. know what I mean? That would be a lot. Unless you on had a staff of, that could do book reports for you. Yeah. And I mean, on top of my own writing, um, reading for pleasure, you know, obviously I'd love to support every single guest that comes on and read Yeah, because you're books. always like, I'm working on my novel. I got this other story and then this other story and then yeah. this other story and then this other novel idea. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's not. I it, just want to shake you sometimes and say, just write one thing, Josh. No, I know. And, and I'm not usually big <laughs> on like anthologies and stuff, but, you know, I've been invited to do a couple things this year. And then some of them are just so cool. Um, like the ideas that for the anthologies that come out and the pay is de decent and who doesn't always, who, do, who couldn't use a little more money in their pocket for a short story they wrote. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do a lot of charity anthologies, so it would be nice once in a while to make a little extra money on a, a book or a yeah. story that you write. Um, Especially in the arts, it doesn't even matter what the art is. If it's stand up comedy or novels or whatever, right? a lot of people are going to try to pay you in exposure. Yeah. That. Yeah. It is, that's what I've learned is like, if the pay isn't half decent, like don't get involved with it because it's a lot of work to write a story and then they want you to edit it and then they want you to revive. And uh, you know, it's like a and lot they want of you work. To do all the work of selling yeah. the books for them. Yeah. And that's the thing is like a lot of times your name is bigger than like the people that are like, right. Or that are putting out the anthology and they kind of want to like use that to their advantage. And um not saying that's the case with me, but like a lot of people like, you know, the, the, they're like, oh, let's get this guy on the thing and, and he can help, you know, raise awareness of our brand. And, you know, I mean, that's just I get it. That's the name of the game. But you have to look out for yourself. And, you know, at the beginning, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll submit to anything. I'll, I'll if they want my story, I'll do. And, and now it's like when you get to be a little more well known and you've sold some books and you have your core group of people who want to read your stuff, um, it's easier to be a little more selective and not just take the first opportunity that comes up. And I am the type, I like to do at least one or two charity anthologies a year. Um, if when I can, I really like to do that kind of stuff because then I don't have to worry about whether the pay is good or bad. Um, even if they offer a little bit of, um, a little bit of like, you know, a, a fee or something to pay you for your story up front. I'd say if it's charity, just donate it to the charity. Um, mm. You know, I don't need the 20, 25 bucks or something yeah. um but if they're going to be making money off it as a press then obviously the author should be making money as well and uh so yeah that's kind of all the stuff you learn as you get you know more involved in writing and see people's mistakes that they made make your own mistakes um you know and it's uh yeah it's a it's a process but i'm definitely learning and yeah so just finding time to stay on top of this podcast with, and then do my own stuff is what's going to be the biggest challenge of everything, I think. But um, I think keeping it limited to six or seven guests a month. Um, and then it's going to end up having like a backlog of guests, obviously. Um, and I may be able to release a special episode like on a Friday or something like two that week. Um, or some people I've actually said, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. If you have a book coming out, 
later this year. Why don't we plan for a couple weeks or a month before your book release? And then I'll release it, the show, either like the week before release or whenever you want me to release it as a special episode to help promote your book. Um, and obviously people are all about that. So um, it doesn't cost them anything. It's totally free. Um, and, you know, maybe one time, one day I'll get a little bit of ad revenue or something yeah. for the podcast. Um, I've, I've toyed with the idea of offering like sponsors, like indie presses or um, authors, if they want to do like five or $10 for a two or three episode slot or four, four episode slot where I'll, drop drop their book name or their their press name or something and it's um, not a bad idea you know just something like that because that pays my bills i mean that'll pay for the month of that month of streaming you know what i mean yeah. for the, the podcast and yeah and specifically with your podcast you're talking to writers so it's not like you're like hey everybody this is where you should get your oil changed <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know you're talking right to the people about why they're there in the first place you need a tire change come on down to Last last chance garage in West Gardner. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming down from California. That's awesome, you know. So yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. I think we're. I'm excited to see how it's re received. Um, obviously, it'll get better and it'll grow as as think time goes on. Um, you know, it'd be cool to have like like I'm hopefully gonna have uh, Bev Vincent and Brian Keane come on and do a double header. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, be a little less pressure on me as well when there's two guests. Um, and one host um, and have other podcasters on um, trying to like, you know, reach out to not just like the horror writers I'm friends with or the writers I'm friends with, but like screenwriters. And, uh, and then a lot of uh, a few presses have actually said, Hey, I have this author in under my press that has a book coming out later this year. If I, can I send them your way? And, and uh have see if you can have them on the show at some point i say yeah we'll make it happen i mean it's it's the longest show has been like an hour and seven minutes and then on top of that i can chat with however short or long i want with the people off air and that's usually what happens is i'll, I'll sit there for quite a while and either beforehand or after and chat with them because these are people i've looked got to know and they're friends and i you know it's nice to be able to actually chat one-on-one -on -one and not just yeah, especially be like writers because it's it's a yeah. very solitary thing that we do Actually, yeah just the other day my wife i came in came sat down started working and then my wife just pulled up a, a chair and sat down right next to me and started reading a book and i just looked at her i was like what are you doing you got to get out of here she's like oh i can't I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> i know man. every night my son comes in he's like daddy i gotta tell you this thing and i'm like no you don't you need to go to bed this is my time to sit and write if you keep coming and talking to me i'm not gonna get anything done it's like jack torrance like yeah keep distracting me <laughs> i want to burn the whole house down <laughs> bash your brains in with a baseball bat <laughs> you know what i mean so oh yeah <laughs> oh man i i feel like some people are like, you know, you can just squeeze the time in where you can. You just, if you only get 15 minutes here, then use that 15 minutes. If you only have 40 minutes here, use that. I need to sit with my thoughts, write on a couple of notebooks, start sketching out just kind of an idea for where the scene's going to go. And then about 15 minutes into it, all of a sudden my brain goes, and as soon as somebody goes, hey, Chris, uh huh, then it's back to square one and I've got to, yeah. <sighs> pull my brain back into that state start. again yeah it's so easy like some i even try to like keep 
put my phone away and like not have any distractions because it's so easy to get pulled out of that. Um, and for a while I was even using like a, uh, actual like physical thesaurus and dictionary and that just became too distracting too. So I, now I just like run over to Google real quick and, and, um, you know, just type in like synonyms or whatever. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I can see that with the thesaurus, you what's this word? Ooh, that word's interesting. Ooh. And then you just start flipping pages. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been, an, it's been an hour and a half and I haven't <laughs> written shit yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been fun so far. I've had uh, like I said eight guests. I have uh, at least seven this month. Um, starting my first one, I think is Sunday, Monday, and then Wednesday. I have three guests, and I'm excited. My guest Wednesday is actually um, a friend. His name is Chris, and he is married to my like third cousin, and he's also a screenwriter. He's actually working on. Right now he's working on the second draft of the a Scratches screenplay, my first book. So um, we actually got to meet last summer. We went to lunch and stuff. He came up to Maine and uh, awesome guy. I'm really excited. He, he His family has a production company called uh, Sling and Stone um, Productions, I think. And they're based out of Tennessee. Uh, he lives in Texas, but he is actually the older brother of uh, Jeremy Ray Taylor who is an actor who's been in like the, it, the new it movies, goosebumps, uh, the new, are you afraid of the dark show? Just, he's just everywhere right now. He's in big sky. Um, really good actor, young guy. And so it's really cool to uh, have this taking place. So I'm really excited for that show. And um, I have other authors um, coming on this month that I'm really excited to talk to. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great, a great, show i think people are going to want to listen to it um hopefully and they'll be able to starting tomorrow so um when the first six episodes will drop um including like mitch seaborn um billy chismar uh catherine silva and glenn rolf and kenzie jennings and grant womack from uh, california so those are my first six guests and um obviously i'm gonna have you on here at some point uh, we can just um we don't even have to like schedule like months ahead of time we can just because we chat like almost every day anyway yeah. we can just pick a time on like an off week or something and, and record it and do it um, yeah and there's no rush so. either because i'm one of those guys who my book's gonna be coming out later if you want to talk um I yeah think... well actually i wanted to talk to you about a couple of things too but my plan right now is to try to have the book line up like as close as I can with, you know, like that first week when most schools get out, since that's when it takes place is it starts on the last day of school. And the opening yeah. scene is basically like the kids all waiting for the seconds to tick off the last day of school. So I would like to introduce it around that time, you know, end of May, maybe mm -hmm. end of May, beginning of June. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to plan closer to that, like, and I don't specifically try to do that, like it, it, it do it if it's, convenient if it'll help the author but otherwise oh, nothing's gonna help me sell just, shit dude yeah so i mean it doesn't necessarily <laughs> have to be oh you're so funny no you don't it doesn't have to hey, be isn't that like... the guy that wrote that blog about the uh the, the <laughs> gps's for cars that's the guy <laughs> yeah 
So it doesn't have to be like lined up with a book release or anything. I just, it's free promotion if they want to do it that way. Yeah. Um, otherwise they can come on anytime they want. Um, yeah. Well, and I told you too, you know, the same way I'm using you, <laughs> same way I'm using you right now. If somebody ever just doesn't show up and you're like, fuck, I need a guest right now. Yeah, yeah man. Hit me up. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but yeah, if anyone out there is listening and uh, is interested, check it out. It's Writers on Wax. It'll be, you can look it up. Uh, it's on different podcast platforms. I'm still waiting for Apple to get their act together. I'm guessing they're probably not going to release it until the first six episodes drop. They're saying there's no episodes published, even though there is a trailer on there. Um, it's also on YouTube. Uh, Writers on Wax. Just look it up. And I'll... Yeah, it's still not. I even I they didn't give you any their, shit about um, the um I remember mine I had extra trouble getting mine uploaded onto uh Apple Podcasts. Apple? Yeah. Yeah. And it turned out that uh the logo that I sent in was like a PNG, not a JPEG. And then yeah. I had to switch that over and then it went through like three days later. But that's why it took mine almost. Yeah, a week. no, I ended up uh, I figured that part out and fixed it. It's it says they don't they were like you don't have any episodes published and I'm like but I do I have a <laughs> trailer published and I have all the other platforms accepted it like that day so I'm just gonna have to get on there get on their ass again and and get them to to put it on there but I'm guessing starting tomorrow they'll they'll probably be like okay now he's got six episodes I'm sure he's good to go yeah but um, yeah so I'm excited they. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Hopefully, it'll only get better as time goes on. But um, there'll be change. It only can, sure right? The... Yeah. So, check it out. Um, it's a good time. <laughs> Unless you're that maybe your favorite weird kind of guy that just gets worse at stuff the more you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> well, I don't want to take up too much of your time here because I know that you're, you know, this is work time slash dad relax time. But um, for the last just little bit here, do you want to? take over and kind of show people what they might expect we can do like a little like mini five ten minute episode of you just kind of leading with some of the questions you uh ask people on your show yeah so basically you know i introduce the show i say hey you know who i am this is writers on wax and i am here with today's guest uh, christopher talon and we uh he is the author of blah 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 he is um i'm excited to have him on and you know, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. And then um, I'll be like, so what do you, um, are you a, like when you write, do you like to listen to music? And are you a vinyl guy? Do you like cassettes? Do you, you know, do like a, a playlist on your favorite streaming service? Um, and then, I mean, sometimes it can go on for a while and they talk about it. Well, I'm definitely a streaming guy when I'm, when I'm writing. Yeah. Cause like you had said earlier, I just recently found like a one hour video that's just creepy. I think I actually typed in on YouTube, creepy music for writing and yeah. a one hour, a one hour video. I'll put that on. And as soon as it starts with the like, you know, like the real scratchy violins, I just, my brain just goes to a different place. But I find yeah, when I write with words like... playing in the background, my brain, I'll get a little bit more distracted and start listening to the lyrics. Yeah. And you can find like, creepy circus music creepy music on the bio creepy forest music i mean ambient gothic horror and, music yeah exactly i mean there's like hp lovecraft uh creepy sounding oceanic like ambient music i mean you can find just about everything you want even like 
uh, creepy mines, you know, like working in a mine. Um, there's creepy like clinks of like metal and and like just weird. It's it's really cool. So yeah, YouTube is a great source for that kind of stuff, and it's all free, you know. So um, and then you know, oftentimes I'll say, uh, do you remember what your first concert was? <laughs> the first concert I ever went to was at um, the Jack Breslin Student Event Center, where the Michigan State Spartans play basketball. And my parents gave my sister and I a choice. They said, would you like to see MC Hammer or New Kids on the Block? And we chose New Kids on the Block. <laughs> yeah, NKOTV. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, everybody was really upset at that concert because, uh, oh, what's his name? The one who acts now. Mark Wahlberg's uh, brother. Uh, Donnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darn it, Donnie. He, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I have a little bit of a cold, so I will not be doing any lip kissing at tonight's concert because his thing was always like pull one girl up, sing to her, and then kiss her on the lips, and then put her back in her seat. Ugh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It seems a little, rabies. seems a little me too ish now. But <laughs> I just watched Dreamcatcher the other night during the blizzard, and he's actually in that movie. He plays adult duddits. Um That's right. He yeah he always gets cast as these like creepy, sickly, older looking guys. <laughs> Yeah, and it totally doesn't even look like him, but then you really put it together and it's like, oh yeah, that is him, man. Yeah, he's the guy that killed um, himself at the beginning of the sixth sense, too. Yeah, he's like the uh yeah, he's like the uh thrift shop Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg with none of the <laughs> So muscles. he always gets these like but I mean he's talented. Like obviously the guy, like, you know, he gets picked for these roles that are, you know, not your Donnie Wal, you know, Mark Wahlberg going down to the Wall burgers to get a burger, you know what I'm saying? Down in Boston. <laughs> That's horrible. I can't do a freaking Wall burgers. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, feel the vibration. <laughs> feel it. Feel it. Everyone, all the younger listeners are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, we're talking about that. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. Come on. People. Nobody remembers Marky Mark um, and the Funky Bunch. That was an amazing <laughs> career transformation that guy made. He went from being yeah. like a meme before there were memes to being one of the most in demand Hollywood actors. Yeah. Yep. It's the abs, man. He just had great abs, I guess. So I think I have some pretty good abs underneath in, all this fat. Yeah. <laughs> they were in demand back in those days. Um, yeah, and then basically, you know, the conversation keeps going. I, you know, I'll ask them about like what their first CD was and then like if like their listening habits, you know what I mean? And and that's when I find out what was your first CD? Um, I believe the one first one I bought myself. Well, I didn't actually buy it myself, but I picked it out was um i still have it actually uh john denver the rocky mountain collection i think i can't remember how old i was i was in middle really? school yeah, yeah we're about the same aunt, age right you graduated high school 2001 yeah i'm 2002 i'm i'm gonna be 38 in a few weeks here um so yeah it was uh yeah my aunt brought me to sam goody and uh she said pick out any cd you want and i'll get it for your birthday and i was probably like 12 or 13 i think i was in middle school yeah, I that's believe. a pretty mature selection and, for a for a kid that age yeah well it was weird because he had just died around that time i think mm. it was maybe 98 it would have been around 98 when he died i think 97 maybe and i saw his video on uh, uh one of those you know cds um commercials you used to see like oh selling john denver cds and and then i listened to the music and i was like something about it just really clicked with me and I really liked it. And then I felt bad because he had died. And um, so I just really wanted to listen to his music. And so, yeah, that was one of the first ones that I, I got. And uh, 
And then the first tape cassette, I, I didn't buy it, but my mom got it for me for my birthday, was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, East Eternal, 1999. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Which is an awesome album. But uh, Which I, was, I almost you know, hate to was, say this, but I saw Bone Thugs and Harmony like two, three years ago when they opened for Snoop, when the, that whole tour came through Grand Rapids. Bone Thugs yeah. and Harmony was terrible live. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And I can imagine they're just they were sing- they were singing over a track of them singing, and even with the track that they were singing with, they were going off time a lot. And but I mean, it was Snoop Dogg's concert. Yeah. It's probably really hard to be that exact with those kinds of lyrics when you're stoned out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and not only that, they're getting older, and it takes stamina to rap like that. Yeah, those guys get halfway through a line in there. I mean, <sighs> to be fair, like you look at videos of them back in the day, and the, you know they're not a live group. They're they're very much studio guys, and uh, they were mad talented in the studio. But to sit out there and be like, coming to somebody, 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 hey, like you know, you have to have like I'm gonna tell everybody. Yeah, I mean, 30, 40 years of smoking mad reefer is gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah. Gonna catch up to you. Yep. <laughs> that was a good concert so, though. Twisto was yeah. in that concert. He was awesome. Snoop was amazing. Bone Thugs was eh. And I'm trying to think. Uh, 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 Warren G. Warren G. opened it. And Warren G. was oh, wow. acting like he was in his living room. He was just up there like, anybody know any? Like, arms crossed. Anybody know any of my songs besides Regulators? You? Name one song. <laughs> yeah, oh, this All DJ. Right, All right, I'm going to sing this song now. Yeah. <laughs> this DJ gets down mixing records while he goes around. Yeah, I love Warren G. Yeah. My sister used to listen to it when I was when she was getting ready for school back in the day. <laughs> we have very different sisters. So. My sister was very much into like Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> Tori Amos, and all the female singer songwriters. Like, oh yeah, heard lots of piano and Fiona <laughs> Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So essentially, that's you know the way the conversation goes. It ends up being very just conversation heavy. Like I, only a couple questions, um, and I'll I'll come up with new questions eventually. I kind of like to. Just kind of like they're they're more or less to do you, do you, spark the conversation. Do you poke and ask people um, like, "What's your getting started ritual?" Because I've, I mean, like even Stephen King in in his book that we've both read about writing on writing, um, the, he says the scariest moment in a writer's life is just before they start writing. Yeah, and I feel that man because yeah. I'll get like I, I might drive home from dropping my kids off in the morning. I'll be driving home thinking like I'm going to start writing and then I'll get that feeling in my stomach kind of almost a fight or flight where, you know, at <laughs> some points in my life, I've probably been like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. I'm just not going to do it. But now I'm like, nope, got to. And then, yeah, but it's it's a lot of pressure you put on yourself because it's a burning feeling like, you, oh, yeah, just start. You're worried like I'm not going to either get anything down or it's just going to suck or I'm going to be stuck <laughs> yes. on this one sentence. Like I'd never do this. But yesterday I was writing. And I wrote this one scene in my Western and I was like, you know what? I kind of like this little, this spot, very rough draft. I literally just wrote it and I shared it on Twitter and Facebook. And um, some dude I've never even talked to before had like seven followers was like a little rough, but sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is why I don't ever post any of my stuff because <laughs> dickheads like you. So I ended up taking it down yeah. and I'm like, that's why it's called a rough draft there. Skippy. Yeah. But I took it down and I'm like, you know what? I don't even, I'm not going to do that ever again. Have you made that mistake and before with your um, writing where you're like, oh, I know this isn't done yet, but I really want to get some feedback. And then you showed it to somebody and they were just like. Yeah. Or they're like, that's cool. Like my wife, I think she was like, what's that? And I'm like, just a part of my my book that I just wrote a scene. She's like, 
that's really cool. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Thanks. You know, you could have been like, oh my God, that sounds so like suspenseful. It's amazing. And it's just like, oh, that's really neat. Did you do the dishes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And, and I used to be like big into like beta readers and stuff, but um, I didn't really use beta readers for my uh, collection. Um, and going forward, I doubt I'll even will. Um, in the end, it's just opinions and you wouldn't not you know, even to just people... be like, hey, uh, just try to catch typos and stuff like that. Well, that's what editing is for and editors and, you know, beta readers are kind of supposed to be like feedback givers. And I feel like whenever I mean, people a lot of times are going to be like they're going to if you tell them the beta read and does something not work in this. My wife used to do it a lot, but she she's like seven or eight stories behind that she hasn't even read yet mm -hmm. she keeps my book she carries it around with her all over the place but she hasn't she's only read like half the stories in it i think yeah um when they were rough drafts but uh so now i kind of just do my own thing and then i have um like with my collection i had uh, an editor working with me and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't i kind of just go and take chances that way because uh i don't know i i just uh I, I get anxious. I get anxiety if someone's like, oh, this really doesn't work. I don't really like this. Yeah. Or you should add this. Well, especially when you know, you know I mean? it's just... not done yet because, man, I've, yeah, I showed people stuff on uh, Switchers, the book that's going to be coming out later this year. Um, when I was still on draft number one, and I realized right away, I was like, I shouldn't do that because people are looking at like, uh, and it's so yeah. far from, you know, the final version that I, I think I learned my lesson there. Don't, show people unless it's like your wife or another writer who asks to see it uh don't yeah. show people stuff that you're still in the middle of working on like i mean you know yeah. you can show little snippets of what you like what you did but like don't expect somebody to read the whole thing or you know the first 40 pages you got or whatever and go wow this is amazing because it's still got a, a lot of fleshing out to be done yeah exactly and sometimes by the time you're at your third or fourth revision that's when it starts getting really tight and you start filling in those gaps and yeah. fixing those odd sentences that, cause your rough draft is literally like you sitting around a campfire telling the story. And it was not until you get to your third, fourth draft when you finally start to tighten things up, things that don't make sense. You, you catch them. Um, you know, this story could be, this sentence could be worded a little better. Um, this word doesn't fit this or it doesn't even mean what I thought it meant. Um, I was surprised how many times so, I would change the dialogue attribution where it's like, no, this needs to be said, but he shouldn't say it. She should say it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's, that's what the revisions are all for. And I mean, a lot of people do like using beta readers and, and I, I did it first, but um, I just got like, kind of not, not jaded, but I just, it's too much anxiety for me. Like, cause then I'm like all excited about this project and they're like, yeah, I read it. There's, there's really nothing wrong with it, you know? And it's like, like you said, if their mind isn't blown and they're not like, this is going to be so awesome. You feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. And you're like, I know they're not going to say that in the first place. Well, but. I had a friend read switchers and then <laughs> I said, what'd you think? And said, it's good. I mean, it's not going to win a Pulitzer prize or anything like that, but it's good. Yeah. It's yeah, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and that's, that's what I don't like. I'd rather just write the book, put it out there and get feedback from people rather than have the first person that reads it be like, meh, yeah. you know, it's a book. It has words. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, 
because that's what happened with my first book, Scratches. Like that was such a mess. There was so many things wrong with it when I wrote it. And even now, yeah, like looking back, I, still, I was like, like, dude, this is great. There's like, I maybe found like one typo. You're like, you should have seen the first version. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, so it was, and a lot of those early reviews were like, oh, the story is great. Um, you know, the writing is a little rough at times, but I found so many typos and there's a lot, there's no Oxford commas and there's no blah, 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 two stars or, and then they'd be like, Hey, I'm going to send you my review just to see what you think. Um, and if you don't want me to post it, I won't post it. And I'm like, that's not how any of this is supposed to work. <laughs> you're supposed to read the book and then you're supposed to post the review. And there's no reason for you to tell me, you know what I mean? Like re the review is not for me. It's for other people. And, uh, and that's why now I rarely read, read reviews because you know what I mean? It's, it's sometimes it's disheartening when someone's like, I liked all the stories besides this one story. You know what I mean? Cause they're all my babies. They're all yeah. really important to me. I don't just do like crappy little throwaway stories necessarily, but um, that is really a, a, a tough thing to deal with. You know what I mean? Okay. So I kind of, you know, I kind of at this point now, um, I'm just comfortable in my own, my own, you know, words and work. And I kind of just put it out there and, you know, let the, the editor do their job. And if, you know, their feedback is pretty positive, then I'm good. Like I, I'm happy with it. And, uh, I, you know, you just have to kind of trust your instincts about things sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's the biggest that's thing the way I, I think is it. for any writer at any level is probably the hardest thing besides, you know, forget about learning the the fundamentals of beginning middle end and all those things just trusting yourself that you're doing the right thing is uh yeah it's tough and mm -hmm. even you know even after writing i don't know how many short stories when i was in school and then writing a book i still am like is this gonna be any good uh, shut up and just write it you know yeah yep and uh that's, you know, it, it sucks like being a writer and, and struggling with anxiety and like self-doubt, which I think every writer on every face every of the earth deals with. Forget about that. But yeah. Then when you're, I mean, amp it amplifies when you move it into a creative space. Yeah. So I think you just have to find a place where you're comfortable. You don't have to follow the same path everyone else does. Um, you know, a lot of people like getting blurbs and beta readers and blah, 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 all those B words. Um, <laughs> I, I don't anymore. I, I thought at one, at first it would be really cool. And there may be a time down the road where there's someone I really admire um, that offers, hey, if you ever need a blurb or something, um, you know, then that'd be cool. But the biggest thing is like sometimes they're just so pretentious and they're way too like they're just over the top a lot of times. And you know, like it's someone's friend that wrote it and because they have a name and people know them, they're going to like talk it up. And it just, it seems so pointless to me. Like I'm not going to read a book and be like, and even my friends that are like, yeah, I reached out to so-and-so and they wrote a blurb for my book. And I'm like, and obviously it was a glowing review. Like, it's not going to be like, man, it's a book. It has words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's going to be the best thing to hit 2022. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I don't like when they do that with movies either, or, Oh, the scariest movie of 2022 yeah. is coming out next month. It's like, no, it's not, you know, it's going to be a CGI <laughs> freaking mess and it's going to suck. You know, they said that about the last conjuring movie and that was like ridiculous. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm trying to like forge my own path and uh, 
do my own thing. And uh, that's pretty much the way it's going now. So, but it's something you have to learn over time, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm like two years into my writing experience and I know, man, you're just trying to your find my own way. I know. Did you blow your, like, did you blow your own mind? Let's toot your horn for just a second here. <laughs> when you wrote this book, Scratches, yeah. After it was done, were you like, "Holy shit, I did that," or were you still yeah. kind of going like, "I don't know, maybe it's not that good." Oh, I still say, "Oh, it's not that good," but <laughs> that's because I've really tried hard to uh, grow and improve over time. But you know, it's it's one of those things that it's it got my name out there. It's got, I mean, it still sits at like, I think it's like four stars on Goodreads and like four and a half stars on Amazon. It's over 300 something reviews. And uh, I mean, that's amazing for self-published guy who just started and uh, you know, it's, I'm proud of it. I mean, it's, it's got me out there. Um, it's probably my best bet of if it does become a screenplay. Um, I think it has some serious potential to be made into a movie because it's, it's a simple story. It's, you know, it's, but it's not something that needs to be CGI heavy. It's affordable. Um, and it's a classic, the classic type of story that people love, you know, like a, um, you know, like a scary haunted house thing, a coming of age, and um, it has good twists and turns. Yeah. And well, and I like that it's got it, kind of that gothic feel to it too, of where like a lot of the tension comes from the fact that you're not face to face with the monster all the time, and it's that like, yeah. what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And it all builds to something, you know. Yeah. And that's one thing I've been told is I'm good at like tension building and keeping you guessing and um, twists and turns and things like that. And and I'm really uh, characters and developing characters are really important to me. And, and like a lot of people talk about the character arcs in that book and then how like severed completely changes your entire perspective of, you know, the characters and scratches and, um, which is rare for like a prequel to do because you know what's going to happen. You know how things are going to turn out, mm -hmm. but you don't expect what happens and how it got that way. And it takes a twist that a lot of people never saw coming. Um, and I didn't see coming because I never planned on writing it until I was getting feedback from from readers and saying, I want more. I want more. And that's usually a good sign that people want more. That's um, Yes, that's usually many, a very good sign. <laughs> yeah. And not many people like they'll read the first book of a series and then they're like, Oh, I loved it. But then they'll kind of forget about the next book going forward. And I, you know, I really encourage people to, to read the, the next book because it will completely change your whole perspective on it. And a, a, a lot of people, not only they read the first book scratches and then they read severed, they went back and read scratches again because they could pick up on the little hints and clues as to the, what, you know, what was going on and, and uh, which was totally unintentional. Um, there's little clues in there um, when like Janet's talking about George and stuff and things that I put in that I didn't even expect to write the prequel, but then I was able to use those things for this, the prequel, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool. Like, you know, and then I also like to, I have like my own little world building, my own little universe and um characters from scratches and, and things like that end up in different stories of mine. Um, you know what I mean? Like I like that whole, 
that aspect of writing. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's fun for your readers to pick up on things like that. So yeah, the book you know. the book I'm writing now, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of direct crossover, but the main character in the book now has a brief cameo that you could very easily miss if you don't hear the name. Well, you wouldn't even know it yeah. reading it the first time because the book that I'm working on now is still in work. But um, but it takes place in the same city and the main character from the first book and the main character from this book actually live on the same street. But because it's time travel oh, yeah. and parallel worlds and stuff like that, it kind of, like most people have no knowledge or recollection and it's just a another another day. But we know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love stuff like that. Like in uh, my collection, Hunger for Death, um, it actually ties, there's a story in there that ties directly into Scratches um, with just a brief cameo um, and it's actually goes into a scene from scratches, um, a specific scene um, that a few people that are like really, you know, diehard fans caught right away. And then other people may not catch until like later on. They're like, oh, man, like if they reread it or they reread scratches or something, they're like, oh, wow, that's totally like. And then I did it again. Um, not a direct scene from the book, but um, my middle grade book actually has a character from scratches come in and uh, takes place in the same town and stuff like that. So it's fun. It's like my own little castle rock or, you know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's fun. Dairy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing in it. And it just adds another layer to the writing that makes it more enjoyable for me and, and uh, challenges me to, you know, find clever ways to fit things in. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so. All right. Well, yeah. let's start pushing this thing towards the end. I heard your question about the two albums, and I'm sure that if I come on your show in the future, I'll get yeah. two completely different ones. But two albums that struck me as being just important, and for different reasons, I'll tell you. The first one I thought of was The Roots Phrenology. Yeah. That album. That was what, 2002 or th three or four or something? It was right in there. And then I had that album yeah. and brought it to Iraq with me. And I listened to it yeah. every day. And I would just listen to the album from start to finish, no skips, um, when I would go out for a run. And I would know when I got yeah. to a certain song, oh, I better turn around and go back towards the, uh, back towards the huts now. <clears throat> yeah. So that would have been closer to like 2003 or four when that came out. Cause I remember it coming out when, I think either when I was in Iraq, because we used to get it at the, uh, the, what is it called? PDX or PX or something? Yeah. PX. And yeah, I remember getting that album and it was good. Well, did you guys um, have that? Um, did you guys have a bazaar that you could go to where the locals would come in and sell bootlegs and shit? Yeah. I mean, we had all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> I bought a bunch uh, of bootlegs. Yeah. Simpsons. We watched like, <laughs> yeah, the Sopranos, we watched bootlegged and then they, they wouldn't 20, let you bring $20. Like, back. I'll give you a 10. No, 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 no. Okay. And you start walking away and they're like, okay, okay, 12. Yeah, they had bootleg <laughs> Xboxes where they had the Xbox, but it was actually um, had a chip in it. And it was like a brand new Xbox, but they had taken it apart, put the chip in it so you could play burned games, um, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And it was really awesome. So, yeah, we did have all that. We watched The Sopranos, um, a lot of the movies like Dreamcatcher I watched, mm. Saw, all those movies over there were all pretty much bootlegged. We're like, go to the PX and we're like, yeah, right. I'm not spending... 15 bucks on your bullshit i'm going to the you know it's kind of slang but it's kind of a slur but you know we call them the haji marts hajis yeah but uh yeah no that was kind of like disrespectful that, um, yeah it's not i don't think most people would think of that as a 
a super okay term, but yeah, when you're in Iraq, everyone says it like it's just dude. Yeah. And it's only yeah. because it's a it's a it's like a distinguished person in like their villages and stuff. It's not just like anybody can't be a haji, but it was just something that you heard and you started saying it. But it's actually it's it's only a slur because it's actually someone that has earned that title and you calling everybody a haji, calling the dude that sells you bootleg DVDs a haji. You know, that's just you're like disrespectfully watering down what it actually it. means yeah right you know what i mean it'd be like the mayor of your town <laughs> and then you call yes. the dude it's not the iraqi version the of the n-word <laughs> right it's not it's not like that. a hate hate slur <laughs> it's just you know when you say it to the average person it's it's taking away from the people that they're like kind of like elders and they deserve respect and stuff so yeah it's not like a hate crime thing but it's also like very lazy and to just call everybody that yeah. so that's the big difference we're not like it's not like you know in vietnam and stuff calling people there that was actually like hateful the g word stuff. yeah yeah Which, we're not gonna say that if you want to hear that word you can read my book <laughs> severed <laughs> yeah. yeah i remember we had a a navy seal that was like in his late 70s come and talk to us one time and he's yeah. talking to us for like 20 30 minutes and then he's like yeah but it's not like uh not like what you guys do. We used to just do the blah, blah, blah to the G words. And then all of a sudden, yeah. the commanding officers like walks. I was like, okay, thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was the, um, what was the other album? Oh, that's right. So the roots phrenology <laughs> was a great album for the time and place yes. that I was in when I was in Iraq. That was like by far my favorite thing to listen to. But then, um, after the military, when I went back to school on the GI Bill, I remember listening to a band called The Bad Plus. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of them? No. They're a jazz band, and their thing is that they do like jazz covers of songs that everybody knows. So they do like, um, I'm trying to think what's the name of that. My libido. Na, 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 na. Is the, oh wait that smells like teen spirit That's yeah. Yeah. so they do like smells like teen spirit <laughs> um they do the song from that movie about running chariots of fire yeah. whatever that movie is called um they'll take yeah. just songs from movies songs from pop radio songs from whatever and they'll put it like a spicy jazz no no vocals cover oh, cool. on it yeah bass player and a piano and a drummer Kind of reminds me of like Richard Cheese, how he like revamps familiar songs and then does them jazzified. And uh, that was a pretty cool guy. I remember back in the day, I get sick of it really fast, but <laughs> he does like ska jazzy type covers of songs, like ones you wouldn't expect, like uh, Dr. Dre and Slipknot yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. There's yeah. a local comedy place that plays those uh, while everyone's just like getting their drinks and finding their seats. <laughs> come on yeah. you motherfuckers down with the sickness that guy yeah exactly yeah yeah richard cheese <laughs> yeah he probably does a whap whap cover <laughs> now from the top make it drop there's some whap <laughs> yeah no that's cool yeah so yeah we'll we'll discuss it and we'll get you on um i don't know either next this month or next month or we'll get you on at some point and uh cool 
we can actually do an official thing and you can start from scratch meet come up with a new first record a new first concert and uh, we'll just uh it's very chill the next time it's i'll not even the next like, time i'll go into like the first concert maybe that i actually bought a ticket to yeah and i mean it's that's just like one of the examples of questions i kind of or the first time i snuck backstage i did that a couple times <laughs> yeah it's just kind of fun because it, it kind of sends people down a path you know memory lane and then they're like oh yeah my uncle brought me there and i remember what we did and it's just really cool to hear yeah. to see people light up and get to talk about these these memories and stuff because you don't really get that platform to just you know reminisce about things very often and uh it's it's really cool because it, it music and and I always say this music and scent like sounds and scent are like two things that can bring you down yeah. your deepest corners of your memory better than anything. And and so yeah. it's really, fun if I get a whiff of vinegar and garlic in the same place, I immediately think of my old Italian grandmother's apartment. Yeah. Basil for me, like fresh basil reminds me of my grand, my Italian grandfather's garden that he used to have. Cause they had an herb garden on the outside of it. And then like also uh, like fresh, tomatoes like the plants when you like rub the leaves oh and, and then and that's the, yeah that's smell tomato of plants, yeah. yeah we got plant yeah, tomato plants on our back well we don't now because it's 20 degrees and snowing but <laughs> in the summertime we do uh yeah. we do cu cucumbers and uh tomatoes out in our garden and yeah i love that the yeah. smell of tomatoes is on your hands all day yeah so uh yeah that's really awesome so yeah we'll have you on man and uh anyone that's listening and wants to check it out like i said the first six episodes go live on tomorrow at midnight and february be, 2nd depending I on whether say, this comes out today or tomorrow so yeah if it, uh, february goes, 2nd if it comes out today then tomorrow or if it comes out tomorrow then today either way february 2nd writers yeah. on wax with joshua marcella the badass yeah. writer of scratches severed and hunger for death that's me that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah man put all the links in there and uh make sure that we try to direct as much traffic your way as we can Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. If you end up checking out the uh, show, appreciate it. When they check out the show. No ifs. When they check out the show. <laughs> do or do not. Exactly. There is no try. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Listen somewhere in my Star Wars shirt today. Drop a couple, <laughs> a couple lines and nerd them. Yeah. Um, well, all right, man. Cool, man. Let's uh, say goodbye here. Is there anything else you want to say to the people before I uh, stop recording? Stay creative and uh, you know, support your local indie author. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Stay cool. Yeah. And if you do read any of Josh's books or any other independent author, especially, or just any author, go ahead and leave a review on Goodreads or somewhere just so that people know that people are reading it. And, you know, if it's especially if it's a book mm -hmm. you liked, you know, the best thing you could do is go and tell 50 of your friends, hey, go to this link and buy this book. But the next best thing you can do is post on Goodreads and say, this is a good book. You should buy it. Even bad reviews help authors. So, I mean, just... Yeah. The numbers are a big help. So, I mean, yeah, yeah definitely. Just, I just if it, anybody's talking about it one way or the other, that's usually enough to get somebody <laughs> interested. Yeah, helps with the algorithms. Yeah, yeah. so thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure, have you on again a fourth and fifth time. <laughs> yep, anytime. All right, man. <laughs> thanks. Go out and support this man. Buy his books on Amazon, damn it. And then listen to his podcast, writers on wax it will premiere february 2nd on most platforms so joshua joshua marcella everybody 
Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you go out and read some of his stuff and listen to his podcast and follow him on his social medias. And uh, do the same with me. (laughs) All right, guys. Everybody have a good week. Thanks for listening. Love you. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Weird, right?